Hello everyone and welcome to this podcast from Cambridge Health Tech Institute for the Next Generation Diagnostic Summit, which runs August 15th to the 18th, 2017 in Washington, D.C. I'm Caitlin Waters, Associate Conference Producer. We have with us today one of our speakers from the Clinical NGS Assays, Technologies and Validation Conference, Dr. Liz Worthy, Faculty Investigator and Director of the Software Development and Informatics Department at the Hudson Alpha Institute for Biotechnology. Dr. Worthy, Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. How has sequencing progressed from when you started in the field to now? What do you think have been some of the most important advances? So I think there's a number of parts to this question. One is the technology to do the sequencing itself. When I started in the field, it wasn't actually feasible to sequence a person's genome. It was prohibitively expensive because I'm that old. But during my training is when the Human Genome Project came around and finally we were able to have the technological advancements to sequence a person and also to put the sequencing reads together to get an indication of their genome. Now, of course, we can do what back then took 10 years in a matter of days, so the sequencing part. Back in the day, it cost originally billions of dollars and then eventually back in maybe 2009, just a few million dollars. And now we can do it for just over $1,000. So that's a huge advance in a relatively short period of time. So now we can sequence. At the same time, over that same period, there were technological advances that allowed us to do the analysis of that sequencing data much cheaper and much faster. Again, if you were talking even back in 2010 to sequence a person's genome and put that sequence together using informatics would still have taken you many, many months, maybe more than a year. Now we can do much of that work uh, in a matter of minutes, not even hours these days, with some of the informatics advances and the computational advances that we've seen. So all of that together means that we can now sequence people's genomes. We can sequence lots of people's genomes and we can do it fast. We can do it cheaply enough that we can actually use it as a molecular diagnostic test, which is one of the things that we do here at Hudson Alpha. And the session that you were speaking on at the Next Generation Diagnostic Summit is on standardizing NGS testing. What efforts are currently going on at Hudson Alpha in this regard? So we currently offer molecular diagnostic whole genome sequencing, and we offer some other sorts of tests as well. For instance, clinical Sanger confirmation. A lot of the work really has been to do the standardization of that process in the lab, and that's been in place now for a number of years. We're also working on standardization of how you deal with that, the sequence data when you transform it into clinical knowledge on the informatics side, and that's really the focus of my group. Our goal is to not have it be bioinformatician running a bunch of scripts or pipelines in the lab that is what generates the data that is reviewed by the clinicians to generate the final clinical report. We actually develop tools that standardize everything for you. Everything from the data QC to the language of the report is standardized. And then again, the goal there is to make it more quicker, make it more efficient, make it cheaper, and make it less error-prone. That's where we do a lot of work at Hudson Alpha in that area. Definitive diagnosis is incredibly important, especially in the cases where a family has been on a diagnostics odyssey with little to no answers. Can you tell us more about your efforts in this space? So we know that 1 in 10 people are affected by disease that's caused by a rare genetic underpinning. 
So this is a huge segment of all societies. It cuts across lots of different specialties. There are rare diseases that affect every organ in your body. So it's a problem and it has a huge impact on our healthcare system. At the same time, we know that most individuals who have one of these rare diseases have at least three or four misdiagnoses before they get a diagnosis. But currently, very few of them get a diagnosis. If you do even exome testing, you get at most a 30 or 35% diagnostic success rate. With genome, you get probably a good 20% higher than that. It often takes these individuals, I think it's on average about seven years to get a diagnosis. And a third of these individuals die before the age of five. So they die without ever having a diagnosis in many cases. So this is the crux of everything that we do at Hudson Alpha for clinical genomics. It's our goal to get as many of those people diagnosed as possible. That's one of the reasons that we do genomes rather than exomes. It's also our goal to not just stop at the diagnosis. So in many cases, they find out what's wrong with their family member, but there isn't that information to say what that means for that individual family member. So on the research side, we're spending a lot of time trying to identify things that can modify a person's disease, things that we can find in their genome. So it's both the clinical, let's get everyone who has a rare disease diagnosed using genomes, and then it's also the next step beyond that. How can we make it truly a personalized treatment for that person based on their genomic blueprint, which is their whole genome sequence? And finally, what do you think it will take to make whole genome sequencing a standard clinical practice? And also, is this something that you think will come to play for more than just rare diseases? So I think going back to that point, that there are many common diseases that are caused by rare variants, things like inflammatory bowel disease is relatively common, but there's lots of different types of it, each one relating back to a different genetic underpinning. So when we say rare disease, some of them are actually, we would think of them as common diseases. On the question of what would it take to get whole genome sequencing to be standard, well, we know that now the cost structure is such that it is actually cheaper to have your rare disease patients go straight for a genome than it is to do exomes or to do an exome and then a reflex to a genome. And that's one of the points that I will be making in presentations that I give. So it's not financial. A lot of it is really perception. And this is something that a number of folks who do genomes and understand how much better they are for the patient and the clinician are actively working on. So we need to get out there and tell people that it's not more difficult to do a genome than an exome, that you'll get many more 25% more diagnosis from a genome than an exome, and that we really need that information so that we can find new causes of disease that aren't in the protein-coding parts of genes. So this is the task that we and other people have taken upon themselves. It's an education task, and it's also a task of reaching out to the clinicians and making sure that they have everything that they need in order to be able to use genomic data for this purpose. Thank you so much for your time and your insights today, Dr. Worthy. Thank you again for inviting me. It's a pleasure. 
That was Dr. Liz Worthy from the Hudson Alpha Institute for Biotechnology. She'll be speaking at the Clinical NGS Assays, Technologies, and Validation Conference, part of the upcoming Next Generation Diagnostic Summit, which runs August 15th to the 18th, 2017. If you'd like to hear her in person, go to www.nextgenerationdx.com for registration information and enter the key code podcast. I'm Caitlin Waters. Thank you for listening.